Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, verse 14. I love prophecy. And this one from the Old Testament is particularly revealing. During the Christmas season, which lasts for 12 days until January the 6th, the 12th night, we remember Christ's first coming as the baby child. In Germany, it's called Holy Night and is celebrated on Christmas Eve into the early hours of Christmas morning. I remember coming home from church late one evening in Germany and our neighbors were having a party and opening their gifts already. Isaiah wrote this prophecy 675 years before the coming of Christ. The word Emmanuel means God is with us and he is. The gift we received from our father was his son, Jesus, who took our sins upon himself and died so we may live. For now... He's a baby in a manger. We have the crest to remind us of that. We have the candles as a symbol of his light. And we have the carols with beautiful words and melodies to lift up our hearts with our voices. We have the fellowship and the readings at the lovely services to sustain us. Yesterday we fellowshiped with family, and today we will do more of the same, although for us it is usually with friends. We exchanged gifts and remembered the most incredible gifts of all, salvation. So as we take a sip of eggnog or hot chocolate and look at our advent wreath, resplendent with its four white lit candles, we're reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. As we meditate on the creche with the baby Jesus in place and search for the wise men travelling through our house, we're reminded that this child came to save all mankind. As we listen to the music in the background reminding us of who is Lord, we can share our good news with those around us through our actions and our witness to the greatest gift on earth. Keep Christ in your holidays and rest in your gift of salvation this Christmas. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging out on a tree. Homeschooling can be embarked upon for a number of reasons too. A physically challenged child or parent the threat of bullies and overwhelming peer pressure, a particularly brilliant child who is bored in kindergarten, a conflict in religious teachings, a desire for the family closeness missing in your upbringing. For me, it's a lifestyle that suits the maverick lurking within. I wanted to be the one who saw the light bulbs go on. I wanted to be there at turning points in my children's lives. I didn't want to hand them over to folk who are not their mother, and I wanted to make my own decisions about how to raise my children. On this show, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers and graduates who find educational opportunities everywhere they are and thrive. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. God and children will do that. I've gained insights and delights that I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy and sometimes a roller coaster. But for me, it starts and ends with God, the beauty of walking in the rain, 
a cat's meow, the cardinal waking me in the morning, the smell of baking bread, a serious hug, or a chat with one of my children. If you pop by, I'll offer you hot chocolate and a warm scone, but I understand you're out there, and I'm broadcasting from Garland, Texas. After the first break, I'm thrilled to be welcoming back my good friend Marsha Washburn, who spoke to us about slowing down for the holidays a couple of weeks ago, and is here again to talk about celebrating Christmas on different continents. Stay tuned and catch her after the break. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking, and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNennies, where I'm talking about Christmas and how we're called to share the connections with the baby Jesus in a manger and our Saviour on the cross. Are you ready? It's Boxing Day today, the day after Christmas, when traditionally we spend lots of hours with the other side of the family. In England, we were fortunate enough to be able to make the journey to the other side quite easily. And because we'd already opened our gifts the day before, tearing us away from our home as children wasn't such an ordeal for my parents. Plus, more gifts were in the offing and plenty more food. My aunts were marvellous cooks and could work wonders with leftover turkey, stuffing and mashed potatoes. Typically, if we had a home of our own, we'd be throwing our traditional Boxing Day party. Perhaps you've heard of this event, bent, event, but are curious, as all my guests are, of what the significance of Boxing Day is. And please don't ask me why Americans haven't adopted this other holiday. When I first moved here, I was chastened to find that if Christmas Day fell on a Wednesday or a Thursday, then we were expected back in the office the following day. In fact, my Perry Poppins daughter is working today, having just had yesterday off. Nothing would ever happen like that in England. It's a holiday, and even if Christmas and Boxing Day fell on a Monday and Tuesday, most employees would want to take the rest of the week off. Luckily, some companies do close their doors for a couple of weeks during the holiday season in England, but if you're in retail or the medical profession, forget it. Boxing Day is the day after Christmas when the servants used to get the day off to go home to their families and have their festivities. Their employers would give them a box, which was a gift or a tip, in recognition of their faithful and hard service throughout the year. Even today, a Christmas box is a gift for the servants and tradesmen who have served us well during the year, our handyman, gardener, cleaner, dustman, postman, for example. Maybe our hairdresser or manicurist or anyone else we have a special connection with throughout the year, a teacher, a babysitter, the list is varied and long. The box can be in the form of money or a bottle of spirits, wine, perfume, a cordial, a box of chocolates, a hamper of food, or in the old days when it was still politically correct and not condoned as bad for your health, a carton of cigarettes. When our parties first began, it was to regale our friends who weren't included in our family meal the day before because they were with their own families. It was an excuse to get the parents of our children's friends together, and for the most part they were off work because they were teachers. We'd do it in the evening so that those who did work could come along afterwards. I would have a theme and ask folk to contribute, another new idea for me still wet behind the ears from England, an organised potluck. Some, some years it was food from our heritage, other years it was the traditional leftovers and we'd all cook extra of our favourite dish that there would be leftovers. Other years we'd do favourite foods from our childhood or just straightforward Italian. One year 
I did toasted sandwiches and we had what we would call today panini machines all over my kitchen counter. That one was a lot of fun. Another year I did pies and you'd be amazed at the variety of pies. There's fish and beef, spinach and brie to apple and pecan. Christmas cake, the heavily laden fruit creation with marzipan royal icing, graced the centre of my table and leftover plum pudding with brandy butter were the only constants as well as crackers, of course, the kind you pull for a treat, a fortune and a silly paper hat. As the years passed, the children included friends whose parents we didn't know, and we invited a small corps of close friends who came to expect the party and blocked it off each year. Now it's been three or four years without the party, mainly because we weren't here, but also because the situation wasn't right, and I'm looking forward to revisiting the tradition because it'll mean that we have settled once again we've found a resting place. And this year? How many years have we been displaced? My blue-eyed cowboy and I have been considering precisely that and drawing strength from the fact that the holy day never changes. We'll still bring out or make a new an Advent wreath. We always have the prayers and Bible readings, so they remain constant. Church services rarely disappoint, the music is familiar, and this year our lovely church with the choir that rivals our beloved choir at St. George's in London was outstanding. Our children were busy with their activities, but we were able to join other families and share the liturgy. We were able to enjoy our Saviour's birth without the clamour of the secular and begin, in our hearts and in our readings, the looking forward to Easter and understanding the full salvific event and encourage our friends to do the same. We've seen lots of changes in the past four years, beginning when we left our home to the tender ministrations of our sons while we spent a year in England. I had different family with me that year in London. My brother and his boys came over in the evening. My Texan and Dorts decided to have our big meal on Christmas Eve before going to midnight mass at our parish church, and on Christmas morning we were able to be lazy, eat eggs, and go for a walk, while well, we enjoyed a few days off from the pantomime we'd been working on. Although the evening was spent with family, and my brother pulled out all the stops to lay on an Arbenbrote feast, we still missed our children in America and the family, more than we've ever missed the English side, simply because we haven't spent Christmas in England that often. We only went once, and that was in 2005. We had fun, though, and we sent photos across the pond on Dort's phone. Just three Christmases ago, we didn't realise it was going to be our final celebration in the family home where our children were grown and Wildflower Academy was born, so we were carefree in our celebration, happy not maudlin, which was best. It snowed while we were out watching Les Miserables, and we took our favourite photo of the year in our back forty in the surprise flurry. Impromptu photographs always turn out the best, don't they? Last year we were homeless in that we didn't own a home on either continent. We were at my mother-in-law's lovely ranch house in East Texas, which was has since sold, so all the old memories encased in bricks and mortar have been set free to dwell in our hearts and wait to be poured into our new home wherever and whenever that will be. It's all being left in God's hands. And back to East Texas and last year, most of the children came on Christmas Eve and we enjoyed driving through a massive display of Christmas lights and eating good food and sharing gifts I'd bought online with my newly honed skills, not particularly wanting to drive to the nearby city to shop hands-on. This year, we're in an apartment over on a very busy street in the heart of the Garland we know so well. We've certainly run the gamut of stepping outside our comfort zones and my cowboy and I asked, 
Are we ready to let go of the Christmas culture we'd nurtured for twenty-some-odd years? I, for one, am hoping grandparents will be figured into whatever cultures our children choose to create for their families in the years to come. However, I suspect our children will want to hang on to their nursery t traditions and bask in what they remember as warm and fuzzy feelings as children and young teens. In fact, stockings still made a showing this year as a favourite memory and chocolates hanging on the tree. I recorded a radio show with them several years ago that gives me some insight as to their most beloved traditions and what they'll probably incorporate into their Christmas holidays. Well, that's all in the future. And before I go on a break, I'm going to introduce Marsha Washburn, my very creative and musically gifted and artistic friend who's joining me this afternoon. We've talked in the past about the Shuar Indians of eastern Ecuador and her hands-on electronic book, Beethoven Who, written for any teacher who wants to teach music but may not be fully equipped to do so. We've talked about encouragement for homeschooling mums, and Marcia certainly knows how to offer that in a warm and humorous way. She holds a master's in music education and taught public school music for eight years prior to the birth of their oldest of five sons, whom she and her husband homeschooled in rural Colorado for 19 years. Marcia is a columnist for two major home education magazines and speaks nationally and internationally about homeschooling and building a firm foundation for our children that won't crumble under pressure. She has a series of e-books called Management for Mums, and I've been promoting one of them, Managing the Holidays. Today, we're going to be talking about how some missionaries she knows will be celebrating Christmas on three continents far away from home, and the choices they have made within the different cultures. Go and replenish your drink, and we'll be back in just a moment with Marsha Washburn. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Welcome, Marsha, to my show. It's such a pleasure to have you here again this afternoon to continue with our holiday conversation. It's always a pleasure to visit with you. Well, this week we're going to be talking about missionaries in the field, whom you know, Marsha, and how they're going to be celebrating on three different continents. So where do you want to start? Well, let's start with um, some friends of ours who are serving right now in Russia. Okay. Um, 
they actually, their son is a former piano student of mine. They had served as missionaries in the Ukraine and had to return to the United States when the mom got cancer. I am pleased to report that she is cancer-free, and they have now moved back and are serving in Moscow. And so I jotted her a note to find out how they celebrate Christmas in their um, country, and uh, both as missionaries and, and how the Russian people are celebrating Christmas as well. Okay. So let us tell us about that. Well, you know, for so long, Christmas was illegal and uh, in Russia under communism. And so they would, um, you know, a lot of people don't even um, celebrate Christmas anymore. And But those who do, it tends to be, New, New Year's tends to be a more important uh, holiday for them than Christmas is. Uh, they they stop work at the end of December, and then they don't go back until January the 9th. So they have sort of that 12-day period, like we have, we've heard of as the 12 days of Christmas. Okay. And so the, the Russian families are very curious to know how Americans uh, celebrate Christmas. Um, they, they celebrate New Year's like we would Christmas with gifts and food and decorations, including trees and lights and so forth. Mm-hmm. And they start celebrating at midnight and then party for the rest of the night. Some of the evangelical churches in Russia will observe both Christmas and New Year's. For those who are not uh, Christian believers, alcohol plays a pretty prominent part in the, in the celebrations. In fact, um, my friend told a, a funny story about that. They had been invited to a, a Russian Orthodox family's house for Easter. And when her husband declined to, uh, you know, he, they offered him a, a, a drink of, of liquor, and he said, no, thank you, I don't care for it to drink. And they said, well, then they tried to give him a cigar. Well, no, he didn't smoke either. <laughs> and so they didn't know just exactly what, what to do with him, so they taught him how to chop wood. Oh. <laughs> they had to have something that the men could do together to bond, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so... I thought that was kind of a, a funny yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but you know, our our friend said that uh, Christmas, Easter, and of course the American Thanksgiving are are great opportunities to share the gospel. They they have English clubs in Moscow mm-hmm. where students who want to practice their English can come, and uh, they are curious about the American culture, as I mentioned, and so the missionaries invite them as guests to come and share a meal and a time of, of sharing gifts and Bible reading and talking about the decorations. So in the process of learning some of the cultural traditions of Christmas, they also have the opportunity to learn um, the gospel, the, the story of what Christmas really is all about. Mm-hmm. And then some of the churches also will host celebrations and um, missionaries will be you know, can invite their their newfound uh, Russian friends to to go to church with them. Many many of them have never been to a church before, so right. um, it, it was just kind of an interesting time of of outreach. Well, Marsha, now what are your friends doing in Russia? Uh, do they have do they have jobs and children? Uh, and they are there as missionaries and uh, in a church planting. Um, okay. Uh, 
And so their their job, first off, is to just learn the language. And, of course, they already knew some Russian because of living in Ukraine before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they uh, reach out through friendships and so forth and invite people to, to know more about the Lord and just stand as a, as a witness to, to the gospel in uh, that country, which for so many generations has not had that strong witness. Right, right. And and forgetting that it is a European country, although it it may not feel as European as, say, Paris or Rome, it definitely is um, a a European country and has some beautiful, beautiful buildings and history, you know, Mm -hmm. surrounding it. Mm -hmm. It's quite a different experience from what our our friends in um, Ecuador shared with us. Okay, and you yourself have been to Ecuador. That was one of our first conversations. I've been to Ecuador twice. My husband has been several times and indeed was there for Christmas last year because of the way the the schedule worked out. Um, My husband has been going there since 2006, um, upgrading a hydroelectric plant uh, out in the jungle for a a local village of Shuar Indians. The Mm -hmm. Shuar people back in the 40s were still, um, well, I suppose you would say primitive in the sense of uh, they were still doing revenge killings. If someone uh, in their family got sick or died, the assumption was that some other person had put a curse on them. Mm -hmm. And so they would go to the local witch doctor and uh, he would go into a drug-induced trance and give them the name of the person who supposedly was the cause of the illness or the death, and a war party would go out and kill that person and his entire family and anybody else who got in their way. So um, even literally, when they were asleep in their huts at night, in their hammocks, they would sleep with their spears on their chest, the men would, because they never knew when somebody would be sneaking up on them for... You know, so, because some some shamans said that they were guilty of something. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. The tribe well, I yes, I I went on and had a, a quick look, and it did say that they the they did not believe in natural death. So what you're saying is 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 how they exactly. accounted for natural death. Exactly. Well, there were so many people being killed off that they did not have a word in their language for grandparent because nobody lived that long. Really, really. And be- between their own cultural traditions and the coming of oil companies who would just come, you know, if there was any problem with the Indians, they just shot them. Yeah. So, uh, literally, that tribe probably would have become extinct within a matter of years had the missionaries not come in mm-hmm. and shared the, the truth of, of the gospel that says, Basically, the way they described it in words that they could understand was Christ was speared on the cross for you, so mm-hmm. you don't have to spear each other. Right. So oh, the wonderful. That became a way that they were mm-hmm. able to understand mm-hmm. and a new significance to the spearing that Christ took for us on the cross. Right. So, Marsha, so, tell us about um, how a missionary family would celebrate Christmas there well, in by Ecuador. the time our, our friends um, came to that area of the Shuar in the 1960s, there, the translation work was well underway, and there were um, 
they were no longer spearing each other, um, which yeah. helps a lot when you've got a young family, of course. Yes, that's um, right. At that time, you didn't uh, try to take everything you needed in on an airplane. You would pack a, up your belongings into missionary barrels, and so their parents on both sides of the family, knowing that they would want some something from home through the holidays, had packed up a number of things, uh, a nice uh, nativity set and a book of customs describing traditions like the Advent wreath and some presents and uh, different seasonal treats, things like that, you know. And so that helped them through the early years when they felt like maybe they had been... <laughs> You know, so isolated because everything was so different. I mean, they were from Minnesota, and here they were in a jungle where the temperature was pretty much the same year-round in the yeah. mid-90s and uh, very high humidity, raining most every day. I mean, it was a rainforest, and mm-hmm. so there would have been a, a lot of things that didn't feel like Christmas to them. Uh, as as North Americans, we, we tend to associate the weather with, with how we celebrate our our Christmas time, not just the, the you know, the the actual birth of, of Christ, but we have so many traditions that are re- related to snow and winter wonderland yeah. and, and frosty and all of those other uh, secular parts of it. So she really encourages people to start their own customs and because that's how they had to to, mm-hmm. to make their adjustments. One of the things that they really enjoyed was setting up their advent wreath at the end of thanksgiving weekend and then they would light the candles every evening and have a short devotional and learn a song that fit in with the candle that was represented so she said over the years that they had um learned so many different carols and so many different stories about how the carols happened to be um written and the shore people enjoyed coming in on those evenings and just listening to the music and listening to the stories. There's one man that's been coming back every every year for the last 47 years to celebrate during their Christmas evenings through December. And is he a convert? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> um, when my husband was there, I, I asked him, what, what do they do on Christmas Day? And he said, well, they had a nice breakfast. And they had a Christmas tree. It was actually, of course, not an evergreen. They just brought in a a small palm tree and decorated that in the house. And then they packed up their food and found some friends that wanted to go along, and they spent the day down by the river. And the men would strip the bark from a certain kind of tree, and they would pound on that bark and then put it in. They they kind of set rocks in the river so it'd make a pool where the water didn't flow so rapidly, and they put that bark down into the water, and it released a chemical which would slow down the metabolism for the fish, and then they could catch those fish with their hands. Oh right. And so the women would cook the fish along with noodles and plantain, which is a, a large banana that you you fry. And uh, chonta heart. Chonta is a, a kind of like, um, well, it, it would be a, like eating palm heart if you've ever had that. Yeah. Uh, it's very hard wood, but way up at the top there is a part, he says, that, that you can, can eat. And manioc roots, which are sort of like our sweet potatoes, but not as sweet. They're, they're more fibrous. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, they would all eat their Christmas dinner as as a picnic by the river, and then the children would go swimming in the river. And 
they would take along their hymn books and Bibles and have a time of singing and reading the Word. So that was their way of celebrating on Christmas. Well, Marsha, we have to just go on a really quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue with our conversation about how missionaries are celebrating Christmas on other continents. Wonderful. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Yes, Marsha, um, you were saying just as we were going on break, just how grateful you are to um, what your mother, how your mother helped you um, prepare and, and um, you know, be a part of or find a way to enjoy the holiday instead of just being so frazzled in the kitchen and having that support is really invaluable. And I think my children are getting to that point now where they're, you know, they're going to be the ones that want to have, you know, this, the celebration at their home. And so can we come? And I agree, you know, grandparents are much easier to, you know, sort of transport to another place rather than the children. I know my children really didn't want to be kind of uprooted from their home on Christmas Day. So, you know, a lot of the time people came to us. So uh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. So any other little ideas on how to enjoy? Because you had a lot of Christmases with those five boys. Tell us some of the, some other things you learned as they got older. Well, you know, some of the things that, um, well, one of the things, especially as they become adults, is that we don't have to celebrate on Christmas Day. Okay. Because our, our adult children are scattered across the country, um, we have one son who lives at a distance, and because of the nature of his job, the end of the month, he, he is a chief financial officer for his company, and so mm-hmm. he really can't get away very easily for very long right around Christmas. And it's also more expensive to get flights around Christmas. So we've been, the last couple of years, celebrating Christmas on the second Saturday of December. They get cheaper flights. Everybody else, 
you know, arranges their schedule to do that, to accommodate him, and then we don't have to uh, be concerned about flip-flopping with the uh, um, uh, uh, in-laws and so forth. Um, because, you know, they some of our our sons married people whose in-laws live out of state, so you really couldn't do back-to-back days as you were privileged to do when you were in England. And so that has, has been very helpful. And um, just to get over it has to be on Christmas Day, I'm not going to be one of those moms. I'm going to be one that's going to enjoy my kids whenever they're able to be here. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so apart from food and bringing food to to help with the Christmas meal. What about when people need to stay? I mean, you've got you've got grandchildren, you've got um, you know your your daughters in law, and other friends maybe because it's not only family at Christmas. Sometimes there are friends that you've invited who might be spending the day alone or the time that celebration alone. Um, how how do you you know gracefully entertain and sleep? Um, people in, you know, a house maybe that isn't a mansion, and you don't need a mansion to be able to do it. Exactly. You know, it's not the size of your house when it comes to hospitality. It's the size of your heart. Mm-hmm. And if your heart Lovely. is big enough to accept people and bring them into your holidays, then your house will be big enough also. Uh, when we moved into this house, it had two bedrooms, my husband put a wall across one end of the living room to make a third bedroom because we had four children at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, as we have had people come in to, to stay, you know, when the boys were all home, it was fine to put them in bunk beds. But somehow when you have your son bringing home his wife and children, the, the bunk bed thing is not quite <laughs> as, as suitable and sharing with their, their brothers. So um, we have... Um, been able to clear out a couple of rooms in the basement. Uh, in our part of the country, we, we have basements and mm-hmm. uh, make a couple of bedrooms there. We put um, extra solo single kinds of people, like you've mentioned, um, on couches. We have a couple of um, curved couches, so you can put two people on each couch with their feet together. Mm-hmm. My husband and I sleep in a camper trailer when everybody comes. Um, we have... Uh, Line, you know, we try to have one room for each of the families to be, and sometimes it's a living room, and they have yeah. to clear everything up at the, you know, in the morning, and the parents sleep on the couches, and the and the children sleep in sleeping bags on the floor. One year we set up a teepee outside for one of our summer holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you just find ways to do it, and people say, well, why don't you just send them to a hotel nearby? And nobody wants to do that. They all want to be together. That's why they came across the country. They want to put the children to bed at night and everyone stay up late playing games and and visiting and things like that. And if they have to go to a hotel when the children are ready for bed, then they miss out on several hours of their time together. So they would rather be a little crowded and a little inconvenienced. Something that I have done is I've set aside some some bins that have the extra towels and bed linens and pillows and things that people will need when they're sleeping on a couch or some other kind of a temporary um, location. So that has helped, too. It's amazing what you can do when you're motivated to do it. 
then and that you you are so right the organization too helps a lot that's a really good idea is putting everything you know sort of all in one place so that you don't have to be i mean how many times do you pull out just bottom sheets you can't find any top sheets and that kind of thing you know <laughs> right i i have them all paired together so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. depending on how many we need i can just grab that many sets and send it off and and i try to have some sort of place where people who are sleeping in a public room like the living room or the sunroom can put their things during the daytime um, so that they don't have to have everything sitting out because that's awkward for them as well yeah 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 and isn't it isn't it lovely to have everybody there and i know you do something in the middle of the year where absolutely everybody can come as well so that's another good way to get your family together yes we we gathered together our our family has been doing fantasy football for the last um 24 years since the children were children yeah and um so they still get together for for their annual draft day the third week of august so Mm -hmm. even if everybody can't make it due to weather or jobs or whatever other times during the year it's a non-holiday weekend in August, and so we are assured of getting together at that time. And, of course, during the summer months, it's warm enough here in Colorado that people can sleep outside in a tent or something like that if they want to. Yeah, yeah. So, Marsha, um, do you have a very favorite tradition that your family um, has kept over the years and that perhaps your boys have taken into their families? Oh, my you know, it, it would be hard to choose just one, but I, I would have to say that um, if, if you ask the boys that they might say doing an Advent calendar might be one of their all-time favorites, um, although music would have to be right up there at the top as well. Um, we had a, a little calendar that my husband had picked up at a Hallmark shop, and each night you open a different little door and this particular one had a rhymed story of the Christmas story. And so on the first night of December, we would read that uh, together aloud. And then the next night, a different boy got to open the new one, and we'd read number one and number two. So by the time we got to Christmas, they had nearly memorized that entire poem uh, mm-hmm. because we'd read it night after night after night. In the king- days of King David, there came a decree from mm-hmm. Rome, you know, and um, so that is something that they we've kept that original Advent calendar, and the boys have enjoyed doing that through the through the years, even in telling their children about it. I think probably music would be uh, another big thing. Uh, we're a musical family, mm-hmm. and did a lot of caroling and a lot of programs at nursing homes and and things like that through the years as well. So, so Marsha, tell us, um, we're, we're coming to the um, close to the end of our time here. I want you to tell us where my listeners can go and buy your ebook for the holiday, Managing Your Holidays. Uh, they can go to MarshaWashburn.com. That's okay. spelled like Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A-W-A-S-H-B-U-R-N.com. And Managing the Holidays is an ebook in the collection of Management for Moms. And we have a special going on it through the holiday season for just 99 cents. It has lots and lots of things that we didn't have a chance to focus on today, and I hope people will take advantage of that. 
Well, Marsha, I'm going to be putting that, linking that on my page over at the Sociable Homeschooler um, for the most of December. I will have that in there and also on my Toginet um, radio page. And thank you. I just want to thank you so much for joining me this week and for sharing some of your invaluable tips about getting through the holidays and how to keep those holy days from becoming harried days. We will be continuing our conversation on an upcoming show. And for now, I'll say farewell to Marsha Washburn. You have a lovely weekend, Marsha. And thank you once again for sharing your wonderful insights and ideas with my listeners. Thank you. It's always a privilege. Bye. Bye-bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I've been chatting to my good friend, Marsha Washburn, author of a series of e-books called Management for Mums. I'm sure over the past few weeks, you've been inspired to buy her e-book, Managing the Holidays, where there are some very good tips to keep your holy days from turning into harried days. You can find Marsha at MarshaWashburn.com, linked on my Sociable Homeschooler page and my Tokenet page. Marsha and her husband homeschooled their five boys in rural Colorado, where they're currently expanding the family home by an additional 1,900 square feet to accommodate their growing family of nine grandchildren, plus the attendant parents who go with them, of course. During this holiday season, let's remember Marsha's words that it isn't the size of your house, it's the size of your heart. And by using some of her tips and adding a few ideas of your own, you too can accommodate as many house guests who show up without having to say no room at the inn. I know you enjoyed hearing Marsha as much as I enjoyed talking to her and learning about Christmas on other continents. Go to my website to find all her past shows and discover this wonderful woman and her encouraging and practical teachings. I was fascinated to hear that in Ecuador, Christmas is celebrated in all the schools from kindergarten to 12th grade. I know in England, we look to our churches for the nativity scenes, both living and static, and I still chuckle when I read C.S. Lewis's story of an overheard comment from a lady on the bus he was travelling on. She said to no one in particular on seeing a manger scene outside a church, Look at that! They're even dragging religion into Christmas! 
This was in the 1950s. So before you lament the, the secularization of America, we've been living with it for most of our lives now. And we're called as Christians to stand firm in the real reason for the season. Sometimes it isn't easy, but it can be done, as Marcia so wisely points out. Christmas in other lands can sometimes be very different, and at other times remarkably the same. Apart from the time off work aspect, England and America follow similar traditions. Every family adds their own, and just taking the time to talk to friends expands our horizons and gives us some ideas on how to deal with large numbers during the holidays. While homeschooling the children, I took the whole of December off from school. You and I both know that this is not really the case because we may not have done basic academics like math and Latin, but we still did do other kinds of school. As Marcia said, most families add 20 plus hours to their already busy week during December. With four children close in age, we were a very busy family. My boys were in the Texas Boys Choir and were in great demand, caroling at Christmas tree lightings and churches around the city and sometimes in other cities. Their concerts were wonderful and counted as classical music with all the sacred pieces like Ardeste Fidelis. Then there was Nutcracker, that eclipsed everything else, and was a true family event for many years. In fact, Dortz was a guest dancer for the company Herald School last year and this year, and we thoroughly enjoyed all her performances and basked in the happy feelings we felt. During the days, we would bake and make preserves and truffles to give us gifts. We'd observe Advent and make a Jesse tree some years. We'd go out and look at lights, glue hangers on chocolates to decorate the tree, which was always loaded with ornaments to catch the eyes of children. It was important for us to spend the morning of Christmas in our home. When the children were younger, they'd still have their nap before we headed out to another family home or family came over to us. We kept as much of the daily routine intact during this festive month so that the changes weren't overwhelming for young, emotional children. Our prayers, our breakfast, our nap times, meal times, bath and bedtimes rarely wavered during the early years, even though the month of December took on a completely different focus and was set aside for preparation, anticipation and excitement. The basic routine stayed the same. And I want to stay with C.S. Lewis for a moment and read you one of his essays that shows this theologian in quite another light than that of gentle children's book writer, that of curmudgeon. Here he is, summing up in a satirical way the meaning of Christmas in our secular world. From God in the Dock, Essays on Theology and Ethics, it first appeared in December 1957, 57 years ago. I hope you enjoy it entitled, What Christmas Means to Me. Three things go by the name of Christmas. One is a religious festival. This is important and obligatory for Christians, but as it can be of no interest to anyone else, I shall naturally say no more about it here. The second thing called Christmas has complex historical connections with the first, but we needn't go into them. It's a popular holiday, an occasion for merry-making and hospitality. If it were my business to have a view on this, I would say that I much approve of merry-making, but what I approve of much more is everybody minding his own business. I see no reason why I should volunteer views as to how other people should spend their own money in their own leisure among their own friends. It is highly probable that they want 
my advice on such matters as little as I want theirs. The third thing called Christmas is unfortunately everyone's business. I mean, of course, the commercial racket. The interchange of presents was a very small ingredient in the older English festivity. Mr. Pickwick took a cod with him to Dingley Dell. The reformed Scrooge ordered a turkey for his clerk. Lovers sent love gifts. Toys and fruit were given to children. But the idea that not all friends, but even all acquaintances should give one another presents, or at least send one another cards, is quite modern and has been forced upon us by the shopkeepers. Neither the giving presents nor the sending cards is in itself a reason for condemning it. I condemn it on the following grounds: one, it gives on the whole it gives on the whole much more pain than pleasure. You have only to stay over Christmas with a family who seriously try to keep it in its third or commercial aspect, in order to see that the thing is a nightmare. Long before December twenty-fifth, everyone is worn out, physically worn out by weeks of daily struggle in overcrowded shops, mentally worn out by the effort to remember all the right recipients and to think out suitable gifts for them. They are in no trim for making merry, much less if they should want to taking part in a religious act. They look far more as if there had been a long illness in the house. Ground two, most of it is involuntary. The modern rule is that any one can force you to give him a present by sending you a quite unprovoked present of his own. It's almost blackmail. Who hasn't heard the wail of despair and indeed of resentment when, at the last moment, just as everyone hoped the nuisance was over for one more year, the unwanted gift from Mrs. Busy, whom we hardly remember, flops unwelcomed through the letterbox and back to the dreadful shops one of us has to go? Three, things are given as presents which no mortal ever bought for himself. Gaudy and useless gadgets, novelties because no one was ever fool enough to make their like before. Have we really no better use for materials and for human skill and time than to spend them on all this rubbish? Four, the nuisance. For after all, during the racket, we still have all our ordinary and necessary shopping to do, and the racket trebles the labour of it. We are told that the whole dreary business must must go on, because it's good for trade. It is, in fact, merely one annual symptom of that lunatic condition of our country, and indeed of the world, in which everyone lives by persuading everyone else to buy things. I don't know the way out, but can it really be my duty to buy and receive masses of junk every winter, just to help the shopkeepers? If the worst comes to the worst, I far sooner give them money for nothing and write it off as a charity. For nothing? Why, better for nothing than for a nuisance. That was C.S. Lewis being a curmudgeon about Christmas fifty-seven years ago. So, really, ask yourself in your hearts: Have things changed that much? <laughs> This year, my newlyweds announced that they were not buying gifts. They can't afford it, and they'll have us for a meal instead. I love that idea, and lots of us noticed that Thanksgiving was completely skipped this year. We went straight from Halloween to Christmas, 
Did anyone else see that? C.S. Lewis is so right. The racket can't be stopped because it would be bad for business. We have choices, though, and need to exercise them. We can make our wallets happy by keeping them closed. Let's hear again Isaiah's words from my opening. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, verse 14. God is with us today and every day. And where did the time fly to again this afternoon? I'm looking forward to more time spent with family. My son from California is here, and I want to spend as much time with him as possible and learn how to best utilize my iPad, which he graciously sold to me for a song. Well, not really a song, just for a small amount of money. Perhaps I'll be electronically reading books next year. Who knows? Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll see you next year. Yes, same time, same place, only different year. 2015 next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my producer Casey, and let's not forget Eric for all the hard work he's done editing my many shows together this year when I have had to pre-record. Thanks, Eric. My familiar guest this week, Marsha Washburn, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe and have a happy new year. Go forth in peace for you've followed the good road. Go forth without fear for he who created you has sanctified you, has always protected you and loves you as a mother. Blessed be God for having created us. The prayer of Saint Clare. Do 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 Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.